Welcome to Vision is More Than 2020, a podcast aimed at talking about your vision, your eyes, and how they play a role in overall visual and systemic function. Dr. Zolnicki and Lakowski, with the help of various guests, will work to help you understand more about your visual system and all the pieces to the vision puzzle. Hi, guys. Welcome to this week's episode of Vision is More Than 2020. It's going to be a Dr. Z and Dr. L episode today. But before we get started, let's talk about our weekly insight, which is May has been deemed Healthy Vision Month by the National Eye Institute. So the goal of this month is really to just remind you to make your eye health a priority and encourages you to take important steps to protect your eyesight. And basically, how do we do that is just through regular annual eye exams. It is so important to have things detected early, such as things like glaucoma or uncorrected refractive error for not only yourself, but also your kids, your parents, everybody involved in your life. Get out there and encourage everybody to get their eyes examined because for some reason, it's the one part of our body that people forget to get checked every year. So this month is really just aiming to remind you if you haven't got your eyes checked this year to make sure that you do it. Wonderful. Love that sentiment. And for today's episode, Dr. Z and I really want to focus on toddler vision. We've brought you a couple of episodes really honing in on infant vision and how crucial the development of vision is at those very early stages. So now we kind of want to move on to that next age range, that kind of that one to three-year-old age range um, where it's a really important time to watch your children and make sure that their vision is developing normally and to help facilitate the development. So we're going to kind of go through things to look out for and then just a whole slew of activities that we kind of do with our own toddlers at home that you may not even think are visually based, but can really help work on those visual skills. And so the, the reason this time period is so important is you're really bridging that gap from their visual development starting to develop from birth through that first year of life where so much is happening in their visual system and all those systems are really becoming more fine-tuned. And now they're really using their vision to guide how they're learning. And toddlers learn so much on a daily basis and how they're using their vision can really help direct their learning process. And you really wanna make sure that you're setting them up to be successful for that school environment. That's the big piece, right? A lot of our kids are gonna be starting kindergarten around that four or five year old age range. And you wanna make sure that their visual skills and learning processes are setting them up and they're ready to be used in that environment. Absolutely. And the thing with toddlers, like you said, is they learn so much. It's incredible how much they take in and how quickly it happens. And I think the PSA for this episode is that you don't really have to do anything fancy to get your child's visual system to develop. It really is just about playing with them. And that's really what we want to highlight. What we really want to focus on are three kind of big areas of vision. And the first and foremost one is visually guided eye-hand-body coordination. It is so important. And we often hear hand-eye coordination, but really it's about eye-hand coordination. The eyes are directing the body what to do, how to move, and encouraging that connection and really having the eyes lead the body. The second piece that we want to hone in on are those motor skills. So your the, their gross motor skills and their fine motor skills. We've done an episode somewhere along the line about how motor skills are 
built on a hierarchy of, right, we have these very primitive reflexes when we're first born, and then there's these gross motor skills, fine motor skills, and the ultra fine motor skills, and it's, at the end of the day, eye movements are just a motor skill. So we wanna make sure that they are developing um, in this hierarchy because it really sets the stage for children having great development and being ready for things like sports and school. And then the last piece to that puzzle is visual perceptual activities. So things like visual memory and figure ground skills and all of those things that really help to aid in academics. So those are really kind of the skills that we're going to be talking about in the activities that we are presenting to you today. Okay, so to work on visually guided eye-hand body coordination skills, there's a whole slew of things you can do with your kids. Um, I know with Teddy, we work on a lot of building activities, um, which is one of his favorite things to do. So we have in our house a variety of different block type stimulus. We have these um, really basic old school wooden blocks that I absolutely love. Um, and we pull those out. They have all different shapes and he builds these amazing big structures and towers with them. Um, it's really cute. They have this really big rectangle that's actually quite heavy. It's the biggest piece and he calls it his powerful piece. <laughs> I think he dropped, he dropped it on his foot once. One of the first times we pulled him out and it, it hurt his foot and now he calls it powerful. <laughs> I, you know, my mom has these blocks uh, and they're, it's, they're awesome. And you don't really see them. My mom actually got them at a yard sale at my sister's house up in Westchester. And it is the best building blocks for the kids. They can make so many different things. You can make doors and there's the semicircle and you can also teach them about how shapes fit together and to make bigger, bigger shapes. I, I absolutely love those. I also am a huge fan of magnetiles. Uh, parent hack, magnetiles are super expensive. There are an alternative version called Picasso tiles on Amazon, which are are just as good as magnetiles. I've had the same set uh, with Daisy since she's been one and she's four. So they've held up really well, but those are also a really great option in terms of building blocks with your kids. Yeah, Teddy has those too, and he absolutely loves them. Other ways that you can help develop the eye-hand coordination is with ball play. Something as simple as just rolling a ball back and forth between you and your child, or even taking that activity outside and more into like the sports realm. Um, so playing a little bit of throw and catch with your kids, um, incorporating like a Frisbee. Um, basketball play can be really helpful to work on those skills. And for those younger toddlers, bubbles are really great too, because when they are just kind of getting their their coordination in, catching a ball is really hard, right? They're really not good at catching until about three, three, even close to four, where they're really able to catch a ball, but they can definitely catch a bubble, right? Because it's being stuck in the air for a little bit longer. They can really move their body to it and then uh, catch it or pop it. So we are big fans of bubble play as well, because it helps to uh, give them a little bit more time to find where it is in space. And after bubbles, you can also do balloons. Also a really great uh, tip for helping to develop that eye-hand coordination. So to work on fine motor skills, any type of coloring, drawing activity is wonderful to do with your kids. I've been really starting to work on how they're grasping and holding writing tools. You can use anything from big markers to smaller crayons. It's actually good to introduce a variety of stimuli to them for them to hold so they can learn how to grasp large versus smaller, thinner objects and having them just doodle. 
and draw in color can be wonderful to develop that skill. And it's really good to work on their creativity at the same time too. Absolutely. My kids absolutely love to color. It blows my mind how much they love to to do this. And Daisy has really become an artist. She loves to look at something and then draw it, which is really cool from a visual standpoint, right? She's taking a visual stimuli and then recreating it. And this sets the stage for handwriting and writing letters eventually. She's actually pretty good at writing her name and writing John's name. And it all starts with being able to see an object and then draw it. So uh, encouraging that is is really, really important. And it's such a great activity that you could do anywhere. And, you know, if you're at a restaurant, bring some crayons. If you're on a ferry boat, bring some crayons. It's a really great non on-screen activity that the kids can do. So we we are big advocates for keeping it simple, cutting, coloring, and drawing for sure. And now that it's been uh, nicer outside here, um, I bought Teddy his first chalk set. So we've been doing lots of chalk drawing outside too, which makes it really fun. So you're getting that outside time along with that drawing time at the same time is the perfect combination. I love that. The next thing that we're going to recommend is going to seem kind of silly and something that you probably do without even thinking, but it's simply reading with your child. And as they get older in this toddler range, right, you're, we read them as babies, um, but in this toddler range, they really start to become more interactive because they understand what they're seeing and what you're saying, and they're understanding the story. And why reading is so important to them. Uh, there's lots of reasons, right? From a speech standpoint, uh, from uh, an eye movement standpoint, but really it helps to develop really strong visualization skills, right? Because they're starting to picture the story in their mind's eye. And that visualization skill is critical for them to have really great reading comprehension and reading skills as they get, and independent reading skills as they get older. So when I read to my children, it's not just robotic in the sense of just reading the the words and turning the page. I really try to make it as interactive as possible. I talk to, to them about the pictures that they're seeing. Can you find the blue ball? Can you find the rainbow fishes? rainbow fin. No, it's, it's all these simple things, but it really uh, helps them develop all of these skills. And one of my favorite thing is to ask them, what do they think is going to happen next in the story? Because that encourages them to, to think about the book in a different way. And I even love, like, kids tend to we want to read the same book over and over and over and over again, right, Dr. Earl? And um, by doing this, they can start, they, they start to understand and remember the story. And you, by having the conversation, it pulls that out. I'll say simply like, Daisy, right, we're saying we're reading Goldilocks of the Three Bears. What do you think is coming? Do you remember what's happening? This practice came to a head the other day because my mother-in-law was watching Daisy and she was reading her Goldilocks and Three Little Bears and she didn't read it exactly and Daisy called her out on it. She said, Bachi, that's not how this story goes. You forgot X, Y, and Z. And my mother-in-law was cracking up. She was like, I thought Daisy could read because she knew exactly what was happening in the book and what was to come. So it's kind of cool to see how much reading impacts their, their development. 
Yeah, that's so funny you say that because Teddy's been doing that a lot also. Um, it's really interesting to see that visualization and visual memory piece develop just from something as simple as reading, something that we do every day together. Um, but he similarly has been really fixated on reading like one book throughout the day. And then a couple of days later, he'll move on to another book. But he's really starting to remember the stories and the contents, even at such a young age. He's going to be almost two and a half. Um, but similarly, my mother-in-law, if she says like one little word a little bit different, he will correct her and call her out. She's like, that's incredible. And he's been in our daily life, like other things, we'll be eating a meal and something will happen. Um, and he'll turn and say to me and he'll like tell me a quote from a book that's like correlated or related. So I can tell he's been starting to remember the content from books. So something I've been doing with him when we read a familiar book, I'll give him like the first two or three words of the sentence. And he's very often able to tell me the whole rest of the sentence, which blew my mind the first time that he did it. Um, and I wouldn't have thought to start to do that with him so young if he hadn't started to tell me parts of the story. Um, so that's a, another tip to introduce too, is just see what your kids are remembering. So I've been doing that more and more, just giving him the first couple words on the page. And he's been able to tell me the whole story from there, which is yeah. incredible to see. I love that. Yeah. And John Anthony, his favorite thing of late is really like those I spy books, like the hidden picture books. He's been so enthralled to do them every night. He, and you know, some part of it is that he has really start his figure ground skills are really starting to develop and he can really see the difference and find it. And I love doing those with him. And we've even started doing it um, as a family, and when we're like out somewhere or in the car, we say like, I spy something green, and then we have to find out what it is. And it's such a, it's a simple thing to do with your child. And, and kind of as a family, but it really does help to develop those, those figure ground skills and those search and scan skills that translate over to school as well. And those skills are so important in a classroom so that kids can learn to pick out what's important or what they are supposed to be attending to versus all the other information that's in the environment, which in a classroom setting at school, there's so much information around them in a room. And it's a really important skill to develop, like to tease out what you need versus what you don't need at that point in time. So I love figure groundwork too. And I think I've highlighted this before. Highlights um, has wonderful hidden pictures. I got Teddy a subscription to essentially their toddler magazine called High Five. Every magazine every month has a hidden picture in it and he loves to do them too. So, so wonderful. And one of the last activities that we want to kind of highlight is cooking and getting your kids in the kitchen because it teaches a lot of different skills. It teaches eye-hand coordination. It uses both sides of the body with measuring and scooping and early mathematics skills. It is, and from a toddler standpoint, if anybody, if you, if you have a toddler, you know, sometimes how challenging it is to get them to try new foods and to get them to eat really things that you, you know, really healthy food. So by getting them in the kitchen, they are able to kind of develop all of those skills, eye-hand coordination, fine motor skills, both sides of the body measuring. And then you get the added benefit that they're way more likely to try the food that they've been cooking. Um, so that's my favorite because I absolutely love to cook and be in the kitchen. So it's a, an added benefit to have them uh, there with me. 
I love that. That's a great activity and something that you're often already doing in your daily life in a time where you can really incorporate your kids and make them part of the process instead of like setting them up with an activity and stepping away to try to do those cooking activities, make your kids part of it. And it makes, you know, your daily life a little bit easier too. when you just try to include them in anything that you're doing also and make it make it a game for them. Yeah. And when you do need some ideas for things to do with them, we have two things that we want to highlight that I know I've used. And if for those that are on Instagram, Busy Toddler is a phenomenal resource. She has so many mom tips and tricks and activities to do. And she's always updating things. She also has a, a program that you can buy. It's called Preschool at Home that it's pretty intense. I will tell you, I, I printed it out. It's like this huge book, but it it gives you a great, all these great ideas to do with your kids to encourage learning kind of passively, not, and not so like book writing letters, things like that. It really is learning through play. And I absolutely love that. So she is a phenomenal resource. And the other one I want to highlight is KiwiCo. They have all different options of crates that you can purchase for children of all ages. They, it's too much to kind of go into of each different one, but it is such a phenomenal company and they really are thoughtful about development and how it applies to each child. Right now we have um, a science one that both Daisy and John love, right? And there's a two-year difference between the two of them. It, It has like beakers and test tubes and scoopers and water. And it, then we also have been making like volcanoes with baking soda and it's just so engaging. And it literally takes up like an hour, hour and a half of their time because they're just exploring all the different aspects of this crate. And I think it's such a wonderful company that is really thoughtful about development. So if you're, oh, if you're looking for something to do with your kid, I would definitely check out those two Uh, options for them. So we just want to also review some visual things to look out for that may be of concern in this age range also. Um, So you really want to watch your kids for any eye turns, specifically turns that seem to be in just one eye um, in the majority of the time. As we've talked about throughout our infant series, when babies are born, it can be very common to see eye turns, but that should kind of phase out normally by about six months. So if you're seeing any persistent eye turns in this one to three year age range, you certainly want to bring your children in to be evaluated. And an important type of eye turn to note is something called accommodative esotropia. This very commonly starts to show up around that two year age range. And this is where a child is often very farsighted and they're trying to clear up their farsighted prescription and use their focusing system to help them. And your focusing system and binocular to your eye team system are very tied together. So by this over-focusing, it can sometimes start to drive the eyes in. So it's very important to watch for any eyes turn in at this age range. Um, Things to look out for is obviously the eye itself moving in or out, Um, but you also want to look and see if your child is very extraly sensitive to light if they kind of avoid looking at near targets, if they turn their head or tilt their head, or if they like lean on a hand, um, that may be helping them kind of close or cover an eye so that they're not using that eye as much. So those are little things to look out for if your child is possibly developing an eye turn or any big difference between the two eyes where they're starting to develop a preference of using one eye versus the other eye. I love all of those tips and if you hadn't, haven't gotten your child in for an eye exam, 
through the infancy program, you definitely want to get your child in for their first eye exam in this toddler stage. It's a really great way to make sure that your child is developing normally and getting ready to be in that school age range where they can learn. Uh, and the last piece that we want to highlight is just some screen time recommendations, right? Parents are often really good about avoiding screens with their, you know, with their baby babies. But now that they are getting bigger and busier, uh, sometimes we start to rely on that screen time. So the recommendations at this age are that there is no more than two hours per day of screen time. Now, Personally, I don't include TV in my screen time recommendations because often it's set really far back and most kids kind of look at the TV but like are usually playing in the living room. So I don't personally in include screen time when I'm saying screen time, I'm talking about a near device like a phone or an iPad or something like that. And with that two hour recommendation, it really should be guided with the parent. It should be engaging with the parent, not just having your kids sit there and look at YouTube without you there. You really wanna make it as interactive as possible when it comes to, to those screens. And I, my opinion on screens in this age is that screens are going to be part of their life. It's not going anywhere but it has to be used really in a smart way because it's very easy for kids to get addicted to wanting to use the screens because they're super fun and super interactive and they get really great information really quickly. So, but by encouraging spending time with your child with a device and having really high quality content, I personally use ABC Mouse with Daisy and we spend 15 minutes, not every day, playing with it. And she's learning her letters and learning um, to play puzzles and learning things like visual memory skills. So there are lots of benefits to these, these screens, but in moderation. So really try to be conscientious of how you are utilizing your screen time with your toddlers. I love those recommendations, Dr. Z, because I think I'm still on that age range with Teddy where it's easy to control, right? I don't really let him have my phone. We do a little bit of TV, but not too much, but it gets harder and harder as they get older. So I love those recommendations for moving forward with him because as a parent, it's a hard thing to navigate. Like you said, screens are a part of our lives and we're on them. So it's, it's hard to then set a precedent of very limited or no screen time with your kids when we're all guilty of being on it. So I, I like your, your guided parental advice. Yeah. And, you know, it's hard because, right, I have Daisy who's four and then John who's two. So Daisy knows that she's only allowed to play ABC Mouse when John Anthony is taking a nap. It's like her special 15 minutes that she gets of the screen because I'm not ready for John Anthony to have that that time on the device, right? Daisy's getting ready to go to preschool. I want to make sure that she knows how to use a computer and things like that when she gets to school. Um, but I'm not quite ready for John Anthony to be there. And I think as you have subsequent siblings, right, it's a little bit more difficult to control that screen time, especially the TV, right? Because with Daisy, she didn't see the TV until she was like over one. And John Anthony had the TV on from when he was little. So it sort of changes with the subsequent children. But I think the messaging really is just be conscientious of of the screen time. Um, it's not going to be perfect every day, every week, but really just having that thought in your mind of limiting it and getting the kids outside and getting them playing is really the most important piece to all of this. 
Right. So really our big takeaway is just spend that time playing with your kids and interacting with them and just observe how they are learning and using their vision to glean information uh, and just play with them to help facilitate that developing, especially in this important toddler phase. And we hope you learned a lot about our toddlers and we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Follow us at Twin Forks Optometry on Facebook and Instagram. Join our private Facebook group, Vision is More Than 2020. Subscribe, download, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Tune in next week to learn more about your vision.